of unexpected suffering in your life. And I mean the type where you, you've thought about what you're going to do and like, hey, if I do this, these good things, it will get good results. But then instead, you got suffering. And our usual response to that is, is get mad, we get disappointed, uh, we don't like it. <laughs> and, and this could really test us, it tests what we've been trusting in. And one of, I've had a couple of these, I mean, we get tested like this in big ways, small ways. I've had some really big tests of this a couple times in my life. And one of those big tests came about four years ago when my father uh, had to have open heart surgery. And, and this, when I first found out he was scheduled for open heart surgery, I was shocked because my dad is the model of fitness. I mean, for over 40 years of his life, he ran three times a week, three miles each time. So a model of fitness, regular fitness, very disciplined, uh, very disciplined in his healthy eating and lifestyle. Just, and so I was thinking, okay, these sorts of things aren't supposed to happen to him. And also, you know, well, if I follow them too, they won't happen to me, right? <laughs> and so I saw this and, I, and it just made me question fitness and health altogether. I was mad about it. It's like, what's the point? Like, why, why spend that time on fitness if it can't stop things like these. That's how, that's how I felt. And now, my dad came through the surgery very well. You know, for, he, he recovered quickly, back to his strong, healthy self. And it was about a year after that, I, I could finally look backwards at the event, and I could see more clearly, more healthy. <laughs> and I learned a really important lesson in that. And, and I learned to think rightly about this, that, that wise living, living the right way, is not, in, there's no promise in that that you're going to have outcomes perfectly free of suffering. It's, it, rather, it's, it's going to lead to the best possible outcomes in this life. And as I learned about the, the operating surgeon, his, his, his operations report, uh, that report was amazing because he finished the, the open heart surgery in less than 90 minutes. At least that, it might have actually been less than an hour, if I'm remembering correctly. But he said it was, it was the fastest open heart surgery he had ever done. And the reason for that was because it was the cleanest heart of any man that age he'd ever seen. <laughs> so so the, the heart failure, why, why my dad had to go in there, was actually n nothing he could have controlled. It was completely outside of his control. It was nothing that he could have prevented. But living well set him up for the best possible outcome, even in suffering. Didn't prevent the suffering, but it did set him up for the best possible outcome, even in suffering. And Psalm 37 here, the end of the, the last 15 verses of the chapter here, they give us healthy expectations for life. And they give us, I'm going to talk about three expectations that kind of just weave through these verses. And the first is that God's ways lead to the best possible outcomes in life. And the second is there will be conflict and suffering in life. Good thing to expect, right? <laughs> and then third, God delivers us from evil. And as I said, these verses are going to weave in and out, so this is not going to be neat and orderly, point one, two, three. We're just going to kind of weave our way through, and you'll, but you'll see these. You can look for these 
um, these teachings, and when we get through each verse, you can look and you can recognize it, and you can say, aha, this, this has something to teach my life. And so the first one, 25 and 26, introduces this idea that God's ways lead to the best possible outcomes in life. I have been young and now am old, yet I have not seen the righteous forsaken or his children begging for bread. He is ever lending generously and his children become a blessing. And now see, if you look, the psalm was written by King David. So this is David writing. He, David claimed that the righteous live in a different way, leading to a different outcome, to better outcomes. They, and not just for themselves, they are a blessing to those around them. But this presents a dilemma for us because all of us know, we know Christians, we know righteous people who have been persecuted and even killed. We know that there are righteous who starve in famines. So is this, is these words here, is, is this a universal truth claim or, or is this just David's experience? And the interesting thing is, is that this is even contrary to David's experience because David, before he was king, he was an outlaw. He lived in the desert for 15 years. He was even exiled out of his home nation of Israel. David begged for bread. So how is it that David can claim, you know, I've never seen the righteous forsaken? How can he, how can he assert that? Well, and as we'll see in the, on the verses that come after this, there's, there are two resolutions to this apparent contradiction. It's it, it not really a contradiction, but challenges our own experience. And, and the first is that this is general wisdom. He's not saying this is without exception. He's saying it's a general principle of life. Living God's ways leads to the best possible outcomes in life. And I, I, have, I have to give my dad full credit for that phrase because he, he developed that after of years of, of preaching the goodness of God's ways despite life's hardships. And so I, I want to give him full credit for that phrase. I didn't come up with that. <laughs> um, but it's a good one. It, it's just in a, in a nice one single sentence helps us have clear expectations there. And so what, as a principle, it means this, that the natural outcome of living God's ways is that you are not forsaken. You don't have to beg for bread. You are generous. Your family is a blessing to those around you. And why is that not perfectly always the case? Well, it is because of sin and evil. Sin and evil is what comes in and disrupts and disturbs this natural order. So that's the first resolution. The second resolution is that in the final outcome, God will correct our losses in this life. And we find both these truths taught in the New Testament as well. In the Sermon on the Mount, Jesus taught, and this is found in Matthew 6, 31 through 33, therefore, do not be anxious, saying, what shall we eat or what shall we drink or what shall we wear? For the Gentiles seek after all these things, and your heavenly Father knows that you need them all. But seek first the kingdom of God and his righteousness, and all these things will be added to you. 
So Jesus said, when you seek first God's kingdom and his ways, then you will have what you need. The basic necessities of life, food, drink, clothing, shelter. Not saying you'll have the latest smartphone or the new and greatest extravagance, but you will have what you need. God is your provider. And then Jesus also promised that in eternity, the losses of this life will be corrected. Matthew 19, verses 29 through 30. Jesus speaking again here to his disciples. He says, And everyone who has left houses or brothers or sisters or father or mother or children or lands for my name's sake will receive a hundredfold and will inherit eternal life. But many who are first will be last and the last first. So, in a nutshell, Psalm 37, it's teaching us that God's ways lead to blessing. Evil causes suffering. God delivers us from evil. And you can steer your life by these truths. Moving on to verse 27. Turn away from evil and do good. So shall you dwell forever. So when we read and hear God's word, it will inevitably show us where we're living in sin. And the biblical response to our sin is repentance which means turn away from sin, stop doing it, and replace it with God's ways. And this is not easy. It requires denial and self-sacrifice. We don't like it. <laughs> and um, you'll see the back of our bulletins there. We, we've had a series of commentaries on the Apostles' Creed, where I think it's, we're in the seventh, I think, right now, um, but you'll see about a third of the way down in the back of your bulletin this question. How does this new conduct appear in the daily life of a Christian? And the answer is a Christian denies himself, strives against the devil, the world, and his own flesh. He grows in love toward God and man and seeks to do the will of God in all things. So, Repentance, this turning, this, this is a hallmark of all Christians, all Christian life. It is an on, and it's ongoing for every one of us because none of us are ever going to reach the point in this life where we are without sin. His word will always show us something new to repent of and mature in. But we do grow in godliness. And our new life in God's spirit is a is a continual turning from evil toward good. And then the verse says, back to 37, Psalm 37 says, and in this way, so shall you dwell forever. And I want to clarify here, because the eternal life is not earned by our good works. It is a gift from God. But a clear teaching of Scripture throughout is that the unrepentant heart the heart that refuses to turn from evil, cannot receive this gift. And we're, as we go to verse 28 and 29 here, it, it shows us again that this eternal life, it is a gift from God. God provides this. 
Verse 28 begins with for, for the Lord. So that, that's, a, that's an, <clears throat> an explanatory for. It's saying, so shall you live forever. For the Lord loves justice. He will not forsake his saints. They are preserved forever. But the children of the wicked shall be cut off. The righteous shall inherit the land and dwell upon it forever. When we look at God, God, he is faithful and just. He delivers his saints from evil. And who are his saints? Are, they are those who repent and cry out to him, and they will be saved. They are preserved. Preserved and infers that there's going to be suffering. There's going to be evil. But God's saints are guarded through it. They are preserved forever. They will always continue, always have a future. It says they shall inherit the promised land and live forever. But the wicked shall be cut off. So the wicked, they do not have forever. There will come a day in their life where God says, no more. It's over. You, you had your chances and you've continually chosen evil. So I can't let the harm of your evil continue anymore. And God is perfectly just to do this because we have every moment of every day to change our ways. And if we don't, then that is on us. And this is why the prophet Isaiah, in chapter 55, verse 6 and 7, he says, Seek the Lord while he may be found. Call upon him while he is near. Let the wicked forsake his way and the unrighteous man his thoughts. Let him return to the Lord that he may have compassion on him. And to our God, for he will abundantly pardon. And if you feel these words pricking your conscience, that is God's Holy Spirit working on you and don't ignore him return to him because he will abundantly pardon he longs to pardon and restore that is his heart back to psalm 37 here <clears throat> verses 30 and 31 the mouth of the righteous utters wisdom and his tongue speaks justice the law of his god is in his heart his steps do not slip and this verse reminds us that God's ways lead to the best possible outcomes in life. The steps of the righteous do not slip. And this is the end result of, of that, that his mouth speaks wisdom and justice comes out. So he's, he's sharing wisdom and justice. And he can share this because the law of God, the law of God is in his heart. And it's in his heart because he meditates on God's word regularly, daily. And he, at, he asks God to grant him understanding because we don't naturally get it right away. We, God must grant us understanding. And he continues to consider that scripture, that verse, until God opens it up to him. And then when God does, then that word blesses him. It transform his, transforms his life. It changes the way he thinks and speaks and acts. And then that, that word is now anchored in his heart. And in last year, here in Shakopee, in town, I met an older man who was just the most 
precious example of this to me. I mean, we were just having natural conversations, and he naturally just kept sharing full scripture verses he had memorized and apply them to what we were talking about, just very richly and deeply. But he had this, this genuine love for God's word, just ama sincere amazement. Because every time he would share this and then apply it, he would, would literally sigh. I mean, it would just be, he'd just go, wow, isn't God so good? Just, and and it, nothing about it was, was sh sh a sham or, or forced. It just was from the heart. He, he had genuine wonder at how good God is. And being with him on these couple of times, it, it affected me. I was like, man, I, I want that. <laughs> I want that delight in God's word. I want my heart so saturated in God's word like that so that the wisdom and justice just overflow out and bless other people around me. I was like, that, that's a goal for me to, to strive for. Um, God's word is exciting because it transforms our lives. And every Christian has, has a special verse, special scripture that's very meaningful to them because through that, God has, has freed them from a particular sin or he's led them into new blessing in their life. And, and one of mine is Romans chapter six. Romans chapter six, it absolutely transformed how I understood my relationship with sin. It, it changed the whole view in the, that, you know, away from the, any idea of behavior modification, but about being. And I could go on and on. That's a different sermon, though. So <laughs> um, but Psalm 37, God's ways lead to the best outcomes in life, but there will still be evil and suffering. Verse 32, the wicked watches for the righteous and seeks to put him to death. You will face opposition from evil in this life. The wicked will cause you trouble. You can expect that. But that does not change the fact that God's ways are good and they do lead to the best outcomes. Evil is an invader. It disrupts the perfect and good ways that God designed. But God will deliver us from evil. Verse 33 and 34, the Lord will not abandon him to his power or let him be condemned when he is brought to trial. Wait for the Lord and keep his way and he will exalt you to inherit the land. You will look on as the wicked are cut off. So he's saying, yeah, it might get so bad that the wicked will even seek to put you to death. Now, fortunately, we don't live anywhere near to that level of persecution here. But it does happen around the world, and it may happen to us. But he says, even if that should happen, God will not abandon you to their power. He will not leave you condemned. Wait for him. Look to God as your deliverer. And he will exalt you. He, instead of condemnation and shame, he will vindicate you and raise you up. And not only will you receive the prize, the prize of, of eternal life and the promised land, 
you will watch as the wicked, and here he's speaking particularly the wicked who have gone after you, you will watch as the wicked are condemned and cut off. And Psalm 16, verse 10 says this. It says, you will, you will not abandon my soul to Sheol or let your Holy One see corruption. And in the book of Acts, chapter 2, verse 27, the apostle Peter, he applied this psalm to Jesus Christ. And it says, so even though Jesus Christ was tried and condemned and executed, God did not allow his body to corrupt and to decompose. God raised him from the dead. So God did not abandon Jesus to death. And for Jesus' sake, he will not abandon you to death. 2 Corinthians 4.14 says, Knowing that he who raised the Lord Jesus will raise us also with Jesus and bring us with you into his presence. God delivered him from death, and he can deliver you as well. But the wicked will be cut off. Verse 35 through 38, I have seen a, a, a wicked, ruthless man spreading himself like, like a green laurel tree. But he passed away, and behold, he was no more, though I sought him. He could not be found. Mark the blameless. And behold, the upright, for there is a future for the man of peace. But transgressors shall be altogether destroyed. The future of the wicked shall be cut off. So in this life, there will be merciless tyrants. That's what they're talking about there. We're the wicked, ruthless. Tyrants will raise themselves up. They will try to gain power and spread that power like a a, the, the branches of a great big tree. <laughs> but he will not continue. Evil will not last forever. Evil will cause suffering for a season, and for us it might feel like a really long season. But it will not last. And instead of looking and focusing our minds on the power of evil, which is very discouraging and anxiety producing and worrisome. Instead, instead, keep your eye on the blameless and the upright. Mark them. Look for them. Find them and observe them. There is a future for the man of peace. He will continue forever. The life and glory of the righteous will last forever, even beyond death. But the, weak, the wicked will reach the end of the line. The train ride of their life, it will that train track will stop at the edge of the cliff and then the train ride of their life will go over and plunge to destruction. But the Lord delivers from evil. Verses 39 and 40. The salvation of the righteous is from the Lord. He is their stronghold in the time of trouble. The Lord helps them and delivers them. He delivers them from the wicked and saves them because they take refuge in him. So your salvation is from the Lord. It is not because you have been so righteous that you earned it. Our trust is, is not in ourselves. 
God saves those who call on his name in faith, those who take refuge in him. And he saves them both in this life and in eternity. So in this life, God is your stronghold in times of trouble. His presence in your life, it protects you and preserves you. And he will help you and he will deliver you. And this does not mean he will prevent all suffering. He did not prevent suffering for Jesus, but he did deliver him out of it all. And he will deliver you. And Jesus and God's greatest deliverance for each of us is the deliverance from the power of evil over our hearts. Colossians chapter 1, verse 13. He has delivered us from the domain of darkness and transferred us to the kingdom of his beloved Son, in whom we have redemption, the forgiveness of sins. And this is the best news of all because the old sinful nature in us does not want to turn away from evil. It does not want to wait on the Lord and keep his ways. And that's because the old sinful nature has been corrupted. It's under the power of darkness, under the power of the devil. It's under his kingdom. And this is what earlier we read from Isaiah chapter 8, 20 through 22. And I'll, to summarize, it says, if they will not keep his word, it is because they have no light. No light meaning they cannot see or know the truth. They will be thrust into thick darkness. But immediately after this, immediately after chapter 8, is Isaiah 9. And 9-2, we read a lot. Every, every Advent, we read it, right? And it says, the people who walked in darkness have seen a great light. Foretelling the coming of the Christ child. Because Jesus Christ is the light who takes away the darkness in our hearts. Because in him you have redemption. You have the forgiveness of your sins. He's the one who's delivered you from the domain of darkness and transferred you into his kingdom. And when you call on Jesus to save you from your sins, then he cleanses you from all sin. He puts his Holy Spirit in you and his, that Holy Spirit writes this word on your heart. And his Holy Spirit enables you to turn from sin and to start walking in God's way. So salvation in Christ, salvation in Christ is not just assurance of eternal life to come, although it definitely is that and we look forward to that, but it is also salvation from sin in this life. He delivers us from the way of sin and death and he enables us. He puts us on the path of life and enables to begin to walk in it. And you can begin to walk in God's ways, the ways that lead to the best possible outcomes in this life. Not perfect outcomes, but the best possible. And if you keep these truths in your heart, then you can face life better. You can live wisely, <laughs> you can live godly, living in his righteousness, which leads to better outcomes. But you can also, you can deal with the suffering and evil that will come and you can look to God as your deliverer. You can bear the suffering because God is your stronghold in this life. 
and he will help you and deliver you and he will guard you and preserve you and bring you to the prize of eternal life. Amen. Let's pray. Dear Lord, thank you for this psalm. Thank you for your word to us uh, that just helps us live with, with healthy hearts and healthy expectations to, to not be overcome by in disappointment and, and the, the struggles and the sufferings in this life um, that points us to the way of life and truth and righteousness so that we can live well and, and trust in you and live in your ways, live in the way of peace. And most of all, I thank you for your word that promises and shows us, reveals to us that you are our deliverer. You are with us. You are our stronghold in every trouble in this life. And you will deliver us out of them through your son, Jesus Christ, our Savior. In whose name we pray, amen.